Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Welcome to This Thing Called Life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson. And we are really excited to have you here with us today. We are moving into the holidays, and that's a really exciting time. And we have some great topics that we want to discuss. Um, And I have a really great guest uh, with me today uh, who's going to share her story. Her name is Debbie Polino. And welcome, Debbie. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. So... What we wanted to do for the next few episodes is really focus on this concept of this idea of grief, which looks a little bit different now with being with there being a pandemic and isolation. And so I felt like this would be a great topic to explore um, and just get some insights from people who are walking that journey of grief. Um, and you and I have known each other a long time, and I just I thought you would just have a really, really good perspective to share with our listeners. So with that, I would love for you to just share your story. Okay. Um, my, my story with Life Center began on January 16th, 2014, when my son Nick passed away after a car accident the day before. We were both registered organ donors. And the November before that, we had been on a trip and we were on our way home. And Nick, we stopped for gas. And I asked Nick to get my wallet out of my purse. And he saw my driver's license and said, I didn't know you were a registered organ donor. I am too. And for the next 30 minutes, we talked about his passion for organ donation. And little did I know that less than two months later, I would have to honor his wishes after his accident. He suffered a brain injury and never recovered. He was able to donate his heart, both kidneys, his pancreas, his liver was... um, Two people received the gift of his liver and both corneas um, and multiple people were given the gift of his tissue. Wow. Wow. So my journey began and my passion for telling his story and being a part of the education process for the importance of organ donation. So for our listeners, um, Debbie is a Donate Life ambassador for Life Center. And so what that means is she volunteers a lot of time and actually volunteers a lot of her family's time because (laughs) they are a tight, tight knit group, but really sharing Nick's story 
and how Nick was able to help so many people through the gift of organ, eye, and tissue donation. So how long ago, how long was it, when did you become involved with Life Center? Like I said, he passed in January of 2014. I tried to do it uh, like four months after. You know, I, I went through the, the training program. It was just too raw. You know, I was too emotionally unstable at the time. Right. So I had to wait um, probably three more months before I was able to go back and do it again, you know, go through the training and then start volunteering. Mm -hmm. So I would say nine months, maybe I started, okay. you know, volunteering. And, you know, I started at like the car shows, um, the boat, tra the travel show, um, at the libraries, you know, like for information tables and things like that. And then it was probably maybe a year and a half after that I started speaking at schools, mm -hmm. you know, for, um, in classrooms, which was probably the most fulfilling for me to be able to tell his story mm -hmm. and have so many people, kids, especially freshmen and sophomores be affected by it. And, you know, I, I spoke at his high school, which kids would come back. I was there a whole day in each class, you know, we were there and some of the kids would come back in and say, I talked to my dad and he went to school with your son oh, and wow. he said to tell you hello. And, you know, so that really helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. And when you can tell a real story, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just science anymore. It's, right. it's real. So it does help. So can you talk a little bit about Nick and tell us about him? Um, Nick was 36 years old. He had never been married. He traveled and worked in different parts of the country. You know, he was an outdoor person. He was really adventurous. And when he was, when he graduated from high school before he started college, he had volunteered at an Easter seal camp. And he ended up in Northern California at, up near the Sequoias and absolutely fell in love with it. It was an Easter seal camp for adult, handicapped adults and children. So he became so passionate about it. And both times he did that, both summers he did that, he drove across the country to see as much of the country as he could. So he ended up, he went to um, Northern Kentucky University for a semester and ended up transferring to College of the Sequoias out in Northern California because they had a forestry program. And that was his oh, goal. To, wow. Was yeah. it to be a forest ranger? Was it? It was. Or just to be outside. His well, goal to be was to outside. be outside. <laughs> yes. He did not realize that when you became a forest ranger, most of the time you were the begin, you know, the new jobs, you were at a monument someplace, like on pavement, not up in a tree somewhere. So that, that didn't go very far, but he worked at Glacier National Park in oh, Montana wow. and loved it. Just, just loved it. He came home from there 
and he decided he was going to go to Hawaii. He had saved enough money to go for three months. And I had been there, so I knew he was not going to come home in three months. And he ended up staying for five and a half years. Worked at a private golf course um, that was being built, and he was responsible for the greens. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. Which island was he on? He was on the big island. Okay. Yeah. He loved it because, you know, the first week he was there, because he went Thanksgiving week, they snow skied at the top of Mauna Kea in the morning and then surfed in the afternoon. And he loved all the different climates on the big island and embraced the culture and the people and made lifelong friends. The only reason he came back was because that was after, not the 2008 bank crisis, it was the Bernie Madoff crisis that so many people there, including the golf course, had invested with him and lost a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. So he was laid off and tried to stay and hoped he could go back to work, but it just, it was, it was yeah, too much tough. You know, too hard. Yeah. Yeah. So he so came expensive home. out there. Uh-huh. He always intended to go back. He wanted to retire there. And I know from visit, I visited him three times there and he just embraced the culture. He loved it. He loved the easygoing lifestyle, um, the slower pace and just loved it. Everyone there is so nice and, and that's yes. just so laid back. It just, yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful, beautiful place. They respect the land and yes, uh, uh, yes, and that was Nick. Yeah, so very much an adventurous spirit. He seemed to, from how you talk about him, he he was always, um wanting to help others and give of himself. Mm-hmm. Would that be accurate? Very. Yeah. As a matter of fact, at his memorial service, a person who I did not know, a young lady came up to me and she said, do you recognize this outfit? And I said, well, it looks really, it looks, yes. And she said, my husband and I both lost our job within two months. And she said, I went, first she introduced herself. She said, I went to school with Nick. And she said, I ran into him at a Kroger store and he was on his way to Goodwill with some clothes that you had and some clothes that he had. And when I was telling him our story about both of us being laid off and she said, I had just had a baby a few months before he was like, well, here, let me help you. And he gave her clothes of his and clothes of mine. And she said, I couldn't believe how much that meant. She said, I'll never be able to express how much that meant to me. It's so, a generous spirit. Yeah. He didn't have a lot. You know, when he came back from Hawaii, he struggled for a while, but he was always giving to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was always trying to help someone else. So, yes. So it's, so how many years has it been since Nick passed away? It's 2014. So January, it will be 
seven years. Yeah. So I want to get into this discussion about a couple of things. How 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 you have been able to move through, and I I don't think we ever leave the grief. It's never it never goes away. But I'd like for you to talk a little bit about what that has been like for you since since his passing. I think um, for me, I had to make a choice. And I, I always say that, you know, Nick lived in his short 36 years. I mean, he lived a lifetime. And, uh, you know, your first instinct is to go to bed, curl up in a ball and not get up. But I've always said, I think he would have haunted me had I done that. You know, um, I am blessed. You, you touched on my family. I am so blessed to have a big family. He was my only child, but I have two nephews and two nieces that ha are like, they, they were all like siblings. You know, even, okay. when Doug, even when Doug and Tiffany got married, Tiffany became a sister to him. And the same with, you know, Jenna and Matthew, they all broke, they all grew up together. And they, so they were so close. They were so supportive. My sisters, my, I mean, even my work family, everyone yeah. was, was just amazing. You have and an I, amazing I never, work system. Yeah. I never felt alone. And fortunately for me, my family talked about Nick and still continued to talk about Nick all the time, which I, I tell people this. I've told hundreds of people this since it happened. If you talk about them, there's still their spirits all around you and don't hide. Don't, you know, some people have said to me, oh, I didn't want to say anything to you because I was afraid you would cry. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I mean, I have cried many times, but I, I just love the fact that people remember him like I do. You know, even kids he grew up with, I'll see them at Kroger. I don't know who they are. They come up and say, you know, hi, Debbie, or um, do you remember me? Remember me? And I always feel so guilty when I don't. And they were like, we, we played baseball in your, in your side yard or, you know, yeah. So um, I love that people remember Nick or will share memories on Facebook or he just had that kind of spirit that friends remember and, and we remember him. We don't hide. So, don't hide. Yeah. So what, what do you do? What do you do on, on tough days? I know there's got there are times when it when it's hard and, and when when do you find those times to be tough? You know, I was during this whole pandemic when you were inside, you kind of locked in. Um, I was looking through some pictures, and I have I'm the family picture person, the so I'm like historian. <laughs> yes, yes. I you know it's a big joke that when we get the pictures out that I'm making sure that no one has taken those pictures, they stay with me. And I, I did have kind of a, a meltdown a couple of months ago because 
I was looking through pictures and I was like, I'm never going to have a current picture of Nick. And it just hit me like, because we do talk about him so much as if he's, we're still here was like, these pictures are five years ago. So that was, that was a tough couple of days for me. And, you know, there's times that you want to hear his voice or tell him something or that part's hard. You want to feel those, his, he had, he gave great hugs and, you know, he just, I don't know. I, um, I sometimes wish like that he could come and see me and just give me a hug. Yeah. <laughs> so there's good days and most, most of the days are good. Great memories, fun stories with the kids and the family. You know, my sister Judy tells the story about he went to Peru one New Year's with his friends and he was on a buddy pass. How I I couldn't believe he was he went all the way to Lima on a buddy pass. On a buddy pass. <laughs> on a buddy you're, pass. you're taking some risk there because oh you my know, god. You... And it, and of course he got stuck. He got <laughs> stuck there. He was there for a week, and an extra week in the airport. And like one, you know, he he's calling, and it's so expensive to call from there. And one time he called and and said I was. A, they closed the airport. I didn't know that, but they actually closed the airport. So he stayed in the airport and he was sleeping on a concrete bench. And he said he woke up and there was a machine gun, a soldier, you know, like pointing a gun at him. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so after, and I didn't have the money to, to get him a ticket. I mean, it was right. like $1,300. Right. So, so finally my sister said, look, we'll, we'll buy the ticket and he can pay us back. So he went, and of course, the only available tickets were first class. Of course. <laughs> so after, so he, sends, he sends an email to me and, and uh, he said, you know, I went from sleeping on a concrete bench with guns pointed at me to I'm in the Delta Crown room eating, drinking, using a laptop. Living said, my best life, mom. Yeah, he said he felt like, he felt like Nick Nolte and down and out in Beverly Hills, you know. <laughs> so I still have that email that he sent that, um, you know, that was Nick. Make the best of of each situation. And so that was him. He just, he, you know, when he first went to Hawaii, he lived in a truck. They bought a truck, a Jeep, and he lived in that for a week on you know, like all the beaches there are state parks. Right. So they have shower facilities and all yeah. of that. That's where they stayed. And I remember thinking, you what? You're sleeping in your in your car? In your but that was Nick. And then later he ended up he had befriended a realtor there and some of the uh, houses that had been sold because of the, the financial crisis were empty. So Nick and his three roommates ended up living in these unbelievable homes for $500 a piece uh, a month. And they were spectacular. They were, wow. so they sold and then they would have to move, but he didn't care. 
just did it. So. He just, as you talk about him, I just, he, he was fearless. That's the word that keeps coming to yes. mind. And he just, you know, wanted the, the next adventure and, yeah. and went after it. The first time I went to visit him on the big island, he was a great tour guide. I mean, he took you to not the touristy stuff, but where all the natives went. And we went to South Point on the big island. And he jumped off of a 60-foot cliff into the Pacific Ocean and then climbed back up. Now, a lot of people do it, but I'm not kidding. I was, I was paralyzed. I was, I was like, I'm sure. I couldn't even look over because I'm right. so afraid of heights. And there he comes right up. You know, just, oh that's Nick. Just like it's just, that's, yeah, that's Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, Fearless is correct. Yes. So, Debbie, what would what would your advice be to someone who is this is all fresh? They they have lost someone, and they're trying to navigate this space, and we're going into the holidays. What what piece of advice could you offer them? I would first say. Don't hide. Don't hide. And make sure, make sure people know that it's okay to talk about their loved one. Keep that memory alive. And, you know, I mean, I can remember some trying times with Nick, but we always try to, like, remember the good. Mm-hmm. And ask for help. You know, when you are feeling feeling down, Talk to someone who can build you back up, who can, who can make you understand that it's normal. This, this grieving process is so up and down. You know, you can have two great weeks and then have three really bad days. Yeah. But as long as you can get a pick, you'll never get over it. That's, you know, right. you just can't. But, but as for ask for help, talk, read. You know, I've read some amazing books. Some, is, there any, is there any books that you might suggest to listeners? Gosh, I'd have to get them out because okay. it's been a while. <laughs> but, um, there, yes, there are. There are okay. lots of grief books. I was not one that did well with the grief groups. Okay. Because I wanted, I wanted to, to remember him I went to a a church group and there were people there who had lost their loved ones, their children, like 10 years before. And it was as if it just happened. And I wanted, I wanted to remember the positive and the good, not relive every day. It sounds, it sounds so cold, but I, it didn't help me. So I needed to be around positive reinforcement, not like my life is over. Right. Some people can't move on because they don't, they don't live in the present. They live in the past. Well, and I love what you said at the beginning in that you, you had a choice. You said I could either, you know, curl up in a ball. Yeah. And, try to, you know, just disappear or 
I could go on and like you said, Nick would have haunted you if you had done the first. So, yes. <laughs> um, but I think that's a really powerful, I think that's a really powerful statement. Um, Cause I think there's all, there is of course that tendency to go into that hole, but it sounds like you're very mentally tough and that you get, you've, you don't allow yourself to go into that negative place as much as you can without going to say that. Yes. Cause it's yeah. not, like you said, it's not linear. It's not, you don't ever get over a loss like that, but I think just having being mentally strong is really important. And I think that's in all aspects of life and the things that we deal with, but particularly with loss. And I, I, I credit a lot of that with my faith. Yes. Like knowing that Nick is in a much better place. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, even through this pandemic, I, I have thought, my gosh, he would be miserable. You know, if someone said you have to stay home and you can't be out, that, that would not have bode well. As a matter of fact, family members have said that. You know, my sisters have said, can you yeah. imagine Nick and all this? It would it would be really tough for him. Yeah. So, but my faith has has truly helped me a lot. And and people have different faiths. You know, it it can be different things. Nick was not a person who went to church every week. His church service was being outside. Yeah. You know, honoring nature and yes, yeah. was very spiritual, but in his way. You know, mm. I used to say, you, you need to find a church. You need to go to church. And he would say, I can go to the top of a hill and that's my church. And that I, was his I piece, it sounds I, like. That exactly. was his piece. Yeah, I get it now. Wow. Very, he was, he seemed very wise beyond his years <laughs> and just very, very clear about how he wanted to live his life. And it was not the traditional path, but again, that goes back to that courage and just being fearless and saying, this is what I'm going to do for myself and for my happiness. Yeah. Everyone, you know, we all questioned him at times. Like I used, sure. to, I used to say like, you need to settle down. You need to get married. I need grandchildren. And, you know, as much as he wanted that, he just, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't. Is there anything that you and your family do? Um, Do you you have, like, is there some occasion where you celebrate Nick? Something you do during the holidays? Is there anything that? that (laughs) Yeah. um, First of all, we celebrate him. Thanksgiving is was one of his favorite holidays okay. because as as tall and thin as Nick was, he could out eat every single one of us. He had a metabolism that just never it, it just I could, we couldn't believe he could eat what he ate and still <laughs> and it was a it was a family joke you know that you would be at the table and there would still be food on someone's plate and he would say Are you going to finish that? and end up eating the rest of it, you know, if someone was done. So that happens every holiday. Someone will say, point to someone's plate and say, are you going to finish that? And, you know, be, that was Nick. So they 
we talk about that. We celebrate his birthday every year. When uh, is his birthday? August 4th. Okay. August 4th. Yeah. So we celebrate. And the kids are awesome about it. Like this year, we had a a party. It was at Jenna's house. And they did a taco a bar. And where you, it was, it was right up Nick's alley. Like you put all the nachos on the table and then you pour, not in a bowl, just on the table. Oh. <laughs> and then you put the, the sauce and the meat and all the stuff. And then you have all the sides. So we, that's, we celebrated him that way this year. Christmas was a fun, that, that the last Christmas with Nick, because he did miss so many when he was, you know. <laughs> Right. Else. Yeah. The last Christmas was magical. I mean, it was just, we, we just had the last Christmas, New Year's. It was all just so amazing. Mm-hmm. So those memories we have that we can talk about, we have pictures, we have video. It's just, we, we include him in everything. <laughs> and I think that's so important. Um, like you've said, it's, you don't ever want people to stop talking about him, to stop saying his name. Right. Because he was such a force um, in life and just accomplished a lot. And I think we all could learn something from Nick and his just spirit for adventure and being brave. Yeah, he saw more of the world in his 36 years than I have in my 66. So, yeah. So is there anything else that you, that you would like to share uh, with, with our listeners as through, you know, that from your, your journey with grief? I was so fortunate to be able to meet Nick's heart recipient. He wrote a letter to me two years after he, two years to the day after he received Nick's, Nick's heart. And They've become a part of our family. His name is Brian Klein. He lives in Minnesota and he has two sons, one that has gotten married since his heart transplant and he was able to be there. And his youngest son, he saw graduate from high school. They are so grateful to Nick and remember him all the time. And meeting him as nervous as I was, going there to meet him as soon as I met him he was so he was they had so many similarities that I I remember when I used to wonder about because I knew about Nick's obviously that he was an organ donor and so many people received his organs that I had no idea who they were I used to pray that his organs would not go to someone who sat behind a desk I was so worried that he would reject because you know if they had to wear a tie or a suit or whatever he wouldn't like that but he and Brian are so similar and Brian is an outdoor outdoor guy yes yes they they you know they loved adventure and even even their build was so similar you know when I look at pictures of Brian when he was Nick's age I mean it's um it's pretty, it's uncanny how, how alike they were, are. <laughs> so, yeah. And so for our listeners, that 
meeting was actually captured on video. And if you go out to YouTube and uh, look for Nick's Heart, I believe is the title of it. Uh, it is a fantastic, fantastic piece of work that really just, uh, for those of us who've been in this field for a few years, I, I think it really just encapsulates what it is that that organ, eye, and tissue donation is and what the miracle of it really, really is. And so I would encourage you to go out to YouTube and, and um, look up Nick's Heart. It's a just beautiful video, it really is. So I have a couple of questions because I like for people to get to know our guests a little bit better. So these are just kind of our rapid, rapid fire questions that I like to ask at the end. What's your favorite uh, movie? Oh gosh, I have so many. <laughs> Different <laughs> categories, I know. Yeah, I would say my favorite movie, especially this time of year, is Elf. <laughs> you know, it just makes you smile. It it's does. Funny. That's mm -hmm. a great one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's one goal that you have for this year as we close out 2020? get back to good health, start exercising again, you know, just be, be mindful of staying in the now and not, you know, reverting back to um, old ways. We've, if nothing else, we've learned so much this year about what's important and what's Absolutely. not. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know how I am with my family. So this has been a struggle. I know. I, I, I have thought about you so much during this because I know how tight your family is. And I just, you guys love to be around each other, which is beautiful that, you know, you guys are all pretty much in the same location and can do that. So I know that's been tough. How are you, how are you guys spending Thanksgiving? Well. Um, we are going to be together, you know, a very small group yeah. um, at Judy's. So it's, it's always, it's so relaxing and so comfortable. And Matt and Lauren came home, their home uh, from Utah. And so we almost couldn't not have it because nice. they're here. So we're being very cautious. Um, yep. Three of us have already had it. So Matt and Lauren yeah. have had it. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So we're Are they kind doing of, okay? They're doing great. Okay. Yeah. They, did, they didn't have it very bad at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but they're, you know, they're here. So we're going to have our small group. No outside people coming, just our immediate family. And Good. Yeah. How about I, think you? That's, I think that's good for the soul. It's, yeah, I just, yeah, I think we need that. Um, it's the same thing. It'll, it'll be my parents and my son and I. And so we'll, we'll be there at my folks' house. And I, you know, I asked my mom, I said, are you sure you guys are comfortable? And she said, uh, you guys are coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, but yeah, we'll be you know, completely safe and just, but I just, sometimes I think, I don't know, the isolation thing, it, it can be, that can be a lot. 
I want to thank you for just taking the time to talk with us as we kick off this series around grief and support. And I want to close just by providing some resources uh, for people as you're going into this holiday season or we're in the holiday season. There is a website, uh, it's called whatsyourgrief.com. That's a terrific resource uh, for people to visit, as well as Grief in Common, and that's griefincommon.com, as well as um, for children. If if children are grieving a loss, there's a, a terrific organization here in Cincinnati called Fernside, and that's fernside.org. So I just would encourage people to reach out the resources, visit our website. We have more at lifepassingon.org. And also just, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, I think Debbie touched on it. Um, Don't hide, don't hide, don't isolate from people. Um, I know that that can be really, I mean, probably hard not to isolate from people now, but you know, we have Zoom, we have the phone, we have we have all of these devices where we can connect with people. So don't isolate yourself and just share your memories of your loved one. Uh, continue to say your loved one's name and also just really relying on that support system and asking for help. We all need help. We're not in this alone. Um, and so I think that that's really important to remember. So Debbie, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know this had to have been kind of tough to talk about, but I appreciate you doing it and just because I think it will help other people. And so we just, we appreciate everything um, that you do on behalf of the mission um, to save, change, and enhance lives through donation and just sharing Nick's story so much. You just do such a wonderful job. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for allowing me to, continue sharing his story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, we'll sign off. I want to thank everyone for listening and have a wonderful and safe holiday. This episode is brought to you by Life Center. Are you interested in saving someone's life by becoming a living donor? You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By offering a kidney or a portion of the liver, living donors offer their loved one or friend an alternative to waiting on the national transplant waiting list for an organ from a deceased donor. Today, the number of living donors is more than 7,300 per year and one in four of these donors is not biologically related to the recipient. Go to Life Pass It On for more information. Thanks to Life Center for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.